Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Trustee Table, a new podcast series from NAIS that provides insights and information for trustees, board chairs, and school administrators on critical governance and leadership issues. I'm Anne-Marie Balzano, Director of Leadership and Governance, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Kathy Trower. For over 20 years, Dr. Trower has been providing governance consulting services to nonprofit organizations that include colleges and universities, hospitals and healthcare systems, independent schools, foundations, and community service organizations. She's been invited to speak on the subject of governance at numerous conferences, institutes, webinars, and meetings nationwide. Dr. Trower was co-founder of the Collaborative on Academic Careers in Higher Education at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and most recently served there as a senior research associate and research director. She has studied nonprofit board governance and faculty employment issues, policies, and practices since 1996. In November 2013, she made the decision to transition fully to governance consulting and research and is the president and principal of Trower & Trower Incorporated. Dr. Trower is also chair of the Board Source Board of Directors and vice chair and governance committee chair of the Riverwoods Board of Trustees. She holds a BBA and an MBA from the University of Iowa and a PhD in higher education administration from the University of Maryland. Kathy, thank you for taking a seat at the table today. Thanks, Anne-Marie. It's great to be at the table with you. (laughs) So I'm so excited to have you with us to talk about executive sessions. This seems to be a hot topic among heads and board chairs alike. So let's start with a basic definition of an executive session. What is it and who on the board is involved? An executive session is a portion of a board meeting where some or all of the staff, including the head of school, are asked to leave. The entire board is typically involved in an executive session, although some boards require only board officers or only the executive committee members to stay. It kind of depends on the issue. Mm-hmm. Sometimes legal counsel would be uh, uh, would be staying or invited into the room. Sometimes uh, the auditing firm or some other professional advisor. So in your mind, what are some of the main reasons a board might call for an executive session? Practice varies widely um, in terms of executive sessions, which is probably why this is such a critical question, but some boards actually have a standing portion of every meeting reserved for executive session some with and without the head of school, and some strictly with the head of school. Okay, so I'm so glad that you mentioned this differentiation, um, because I think that that really lends itself to some of that confusion. In my mind, I think of an open executive session as one with the head of school and a closed executive session without the head. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think that those definitions will really help in terms as we talk this through. There are several matters that require the utmost confidentiality, which can best be achieved only in executive session. Executive sessions not only assure confidentiality, they are also a mechanism for board independence in their oversight function. So I think it's really important to keep those those two big things in mind, confidentiality and independence in oversight. They can also enhance relationships among board members and with the head of school and professional advisors. So that's another um, benefit, actually, of executive sessions. So when we think about, so why would we call one? Um, I like to refer to board source (laughs) in part because I'm the chair of the board, but Mm -hmm. it's just such a great organization. They provide so many wonderful resources. And according to board source, um, such matters that would require executive session are these. 
when discussing financial issues with the auditor, um, which is typically the annual audit and anything that goes along with that annual audit, handling personnel issues, such as the head's compensation, the head of school's contract, uh, that person's performance review, or any other legal issues concerning the head, planning for major endeavors such as merger or real estate transactions. And, you know, in those cases, uh, it's just something it makes sense to have only the head and the board or whatever advisors are involved and not mm -hmm. let some of those things get around out in the, the community mm -hmm. if staff were in the room. Handling any matter where personal or organizational confidentiality is requested or prudent, and that's just kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. And then, of course, crisis situations, which you hope you don't have, but mm -hmm. when discussing alleged or actual misconduct by either a board member or the head of school. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, you know, really um, big issues that we think about we need to have um, executive session. So a few others would be attorney consultation, um, succession planning, and there, I mean, I think it's a good practice for every single board yes. to have a succession plan yes. uh, for the head of school. And that can obviously, um, you know, be, it should be confidential, and it can also be, you know, one of those matters that's sometimes hard to discuss, mm -hmm. and yet it is really critical that boards do that. And I think the other important time is for peer-to-peer -peer board discussions. So executive session can be a time for the board to discuss their own performance without the staff or even um, the head in the room. Just let them talk to each other sometimes. Yeah, which can be super beneficial. And so given our earlier definition of open and closed executive sessions, it sounds like closed sessions would mostly encompass issues involving the head of school, such as you know compensation and contracts, evaluation, or any sort of those legal issues. And perhaps when the board assesses their own performance, which I hope all boards do. Um, so would you agree with that that summary? Yes, I think that's a great summary. Then what are some protocols or procedures for calling an executive session, or how often do you think they should occur? So before I answer, I think it would be helpful for you to provide some examples of how schools handle executive session from your own experience, and then I'll dive in. Okay, so some schools have their closed executive sessions on the calendar in advance to discuss the head's compensation and evaluation in order to promote you know, a high level of transparency. And I know of other schools that ask board members who, who believe an executive session is necessary um, to request one in advance um, in writing and with a stated purpose in order to give the board chair and the head some time to discuss and prepare for that session. That's great. I think that's really helpful. I um, completely agree with there are you, you always a school always knows when it will be evaluating the head, you know, that runs mm -hmm. that comes around every every year uh, when the compensation um, committee has to meet and talk about that. So those things can be put on the calendar in advance, and that makes a lot of sense. And then to your matter, I, I think it's also good that you've mentioned that if there is a reason that board members think we, that you need one that wasn't already calendared or expected to um, put that in writing and, and make that request. So as I mentioned earlier, some boards actually have time set aside for executive session at every meeting. Mm -hmm. And um, if they don't have time always set aside, and even if you do, mm -hmm. um, there are times during the course of a meeting when a sensitive matter arises. And this can be kind of awkward <laughs> sometimes if the <laughs> staff is in the room and then people are like, oh, wow, I think we need to call it an executive session. Uh -huh. So in those sense, 
instances, actually, a board member must make a motion and it must be seconded to go into executive session. And with, as with all motions, the board should be granted by the chair an opportunity to debate the motion and then a vote is taken. So such a motion needs to um, pass by a majority vote of the board. And at this point, according to the bylaws, the executive committee stays, the officers stay, or the entire board stays in the room, which is actually the most common when those are called, you know, in, in those moments. I think it's really important here to clarify that no action is taken in executive session. Only a discussion to see if a vote needs to be taken in a regular session or if more information is needed prior to a board vote. Mm -hmm. And then another motion is needed to end an executive session and return to regular session. So these are formalities that I don't, you know, most boards maybe never encounter or don't think about it just hasn't occurred. But I think it's important to know that, that these things can and should and do um, periodically happen. So, you know, to your question about how often, the choice is either regularly or rarely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of a fan of regular executive sessions, and I think a primary reason for having a regularly scheduled, that is every meeting executive session, is so that scheduling one does not signal that something is wrong. Rather, it's just a matter of course. We always have it on the agenda. Maybe it's only 10 minutes at the end of the meeting or something, but it's there. Um, And oftentimes there's nothing to discuss. So the board goes into executive session and then right back out. And it's just so you're not like freaking people out because, oh, my gosh, the board has called an executive session. What's up? (laughs) Right. I think that's a really good point. But I would imagine when you're talking about that, it's most often an, an open executive session, right? Like the head would be there. Correct. Okay. Um, some board schedule at every meeting, they schedule a session that's open, an executive session open, and a closed executive oh. session. Though. So I just want to make that distinction. Some actually schedule both oh, regularly. So, so then the effective use of a closed executive session would rely really heavily on the board chair's leadership. So what pitfalls should board chairs be aware of when calling an executive session without the head of school? And what do you think are some of the major ramifications if they're not managed well? Uh, those are great questions. Um, part of the, why a lot of heads dislike the very notion of executive sessions without them, that is the closed ones, is because they have seen them go, gone awry or they've right. heard of them and they've gone awry. Some board members also dislike them because they can run on and on and um, you know, just kind of out of control. And I've heard of that. <laughs> A complaint from board members from time to time. Uh, me too. I mean, I, I've I've seen closed executive sessions devolve into just like complaint airing rather than a real constructive use of the board's time. Exactly. When they turn into those gripe sessions, you know you've got a problem. So it is really essential, and this is to your point earlier, that the board chair manage the either the closed or the open executive session to keep it on point, particularly the closed ones. Mm-hmm. But no executive session should be allowed to turn into that kind of gripe session or a session where the head should actually be in the room. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've worked with a number of boards who found themselves going into exec, closed executive sessions and then having a conversation where they're looking at each other and they're saying, um, why don't we have the head here? <laughs> um, you know, do we really need to discuss these matters without the head? Um, and I think importantly, each board member should ask themselves, why wouldn't I say this with the head of school in the room? 
And if there's not a good answer, the board members should keep that thought to themselves. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's really up to the board chair to say, well, yes, we we really shouldn't be having this this conversation. Let's let's make sure the head gets back in the room. (laughs) I thank you just so much for saying that um, because I really couldn't agree more. You know, those why questions are critical and really get to the heart of reflective practice, which is essential to be an effective trustee. And if there are things that a trustee would not want to say with the head in the room, then I think the chair really needs needs to address that explicitly. Yes, that's exactly right. And that can be that moment where the the board chair exercises their leadership to say, Mm -hmm. all right, why are we so uncomfortable having this conversation in front of the head? What's Mm -hmm. behind that? And really getting getting inside of it. So absolutely crucial. I look to BoardSource again. um, They offer some great advice on keeping executive sessions effective. And a couple of bullet points that BoardSource offers. First, establish a board policy that specifies the process for calling and conducting an executive session. Mm -hmm. Guidelines for the routine use of executive sessions, if that is what the, the board and the head prefer. And issues that are acceptable for closed meetings. So basically, just make sure you have a policy and that the board is aware of the policy. Second, ensure that all executive sessions are held for their determined purpose only. And after that purpose has been met, the session should end. So this is really critical for the board chair to keep it on time and task. And if it starts to stray, like say, wait a minute, we're done with executive session uh, because we are straying into those other topics that are counterproductive. Third, if it's a closed executive session, that is without the head, The board chair should inform the head soon after of any specific conclusions or recommendations that surface during the meeting. So um, my practices um, with board source where I'm I'm, um, the chair, um, I always let our CEO know right after the meeting the tenor of the conversation, um, the highlights, the big takeaways. And so she's not left in the dark and wondering, well, what the, what did they talk about without me? Right, exactly. <laughs> and um, then also, finally, keep a written record of the proceedings. So it, it's advisable to keep a written record of all executive session proceedings. While detailed minutes are not necessary, and in fact, I, I don't recommend having detailed minutes, the record should include the date, time, and place of the meeting, the names of those present, Any actions taken, and I did just say earlier, not going to be taking a vote in an executive session per se on most topics, and any abstentions from voting that took place if there was a vote. And then these meetings are confidential and should be distributed to only those who are present in the session, and every organization should have a place where they keep um, confidential records like that, and that's like the vault. (laughs) You know, that's where those records, they go, even though they're not saying who said what, And you need to have a record of it um, for legal reasons. Additionally, if the board knows what will be discussed in an executive session, when one is deliberately placed onto an agenda, the board chair should tell the head the nature of the session in advance. So in that case, it's not just that follow-up afterward, this is what happened, but also, but in addition, you know, saying to the head, this is the topic we're going to be taking up. And the head should understand that the chair will only call for an executive session in advance or during a meeting if it's in the best interests of the school. So this is just not something that the chair takes it upon themselves to decide, um, but they're using their, their um, critical judgment at that point. And obviously, trust is paramount in both directions. 
Yes, absolutely. It is really all about trust, isn't it? Because I mean, that that's what the foundation for that, that very special partnership is all about. So if the head is not present for the executive session, who's responsible for communicating the topics and issues discussed? And when might the head have an opportunity to respond if, if they needed to? Right. That's a, those are great questions. So, you know, as I mentioned, the board chair is the person responsible for communicating the essence of the conversation to the head as soon as possible after the session. And as with all matters, no surprises is the thing to keep in mind. You never want to surprise your head, catch your head off guard um, at some point down the road. And um, the board chair needs to use discretion to determine if the head should be invited back into the room to hear and respond right after the session, or if the matter requires some time for thoughtful dialogue between the head and the chair prior to the head making a formal response to the board, either at the next meeting or sooner if the matter is something that requires response sooner than the next meeting, but not immediately. So this again is where that judgment for the chair is so important and the trust with the head and as that's communicated, making that determination, all right, so when do you want to respond and um, what makes the most sense in this situation? I will. I would like to just mention at this at this point that I've been on boards with regular executive sessions closed and open, and as I mentioned, that this is the case at BoardSource. We have um, on every every um, agenda closed and open executive session, and we start with the open one, and then the CEO leaves, and then we have a closed one. Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of course. We have a really strong trust and mutual respect between the board members and the CEO, and we should know how to properly use executive sessions since we're board source after all, um, but we do make sure that, that everyone on the board understands that when they come on the board that this is just part of our culture. Mm -hmm. And we have a really high degree of openness and frankness such that there's very little we discuss privately. You know, we don't have, we may go into closed session just to see if there's anything, but we usually come right back out of it uh, because there's just not things that we're going to discuss without our CEO other than the ones that we mentioned at the, at the start of this podcast. I think another reason for regularly scheduled executive sessions is that it creates a venue and context for these conversations, one that is controlled. Um, as opposed to the parking lot. And you've probably heard, you know, we've seen boards do that. They they come out of a meeting and they go out in the parking lot and start start to gripe. Right. And they have the other meeting, the other the, the other meeting in the parking lot. Yeah. Exactly. I mean the meeting after the meeting and we all know that that's just gonna that's just going to go south. I mean there's really no no other place for that to go. So I want to make a final point here and that is I think the most important thing is to talk to your head about how she or he views executive sessions and why she or he feels the way that they do about executive sessions. And get that out and have that conversation with your chair. Right. And I think that would really, you know, build that trust piece, right? Because it really speaks to the partnership model that we advocate for the head and the chair where their trust and respect is at the heart of the work. Absolutely. And it's just one more way to create the conditions uh, that will increase that trust and mutual respect and then help the board understand. So the board chair also then would say, you know what, um, you know, we, we've talked with the head about executive sessions and this is how he, she or he feels about it. And mm -hmm. so this is how we're going to handle it. I love that. Kathy, thank you so much for your time today. I know that this, the insights that you've shared with us will be so helpful to our members. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Trustee Table. We've included some great resources on some of the areas we discussed at nais.org, and you can also keep an eye on that page for new podcast episodes. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and subscribe to a new episode each month. Thank you for listening.